Welcome back, everyone, to the Her to UK podcast. We've got a very special guest this week, uh, Dave Parker from uh, Manchester St. Pauli. Is that that correct, Dave? Or yeah, that's that's the one. Um, the, the, yeah. the official fan club based in Manchester. Yeah, and keeping the uh, northwest theme going, we've got the voice <laughs> from across the Mersey, Mike, who's uh, uh, joining us. So. We, it, Thank you so much for coming, Dave, because uh, we haven't had a, another UK fan club on before. So uh, really interested to hear your uh, perspectives on running a fan club in the UK and, and all that goes with that. Something that obviously will resonate with myself and Chris, who's unfortunately not been able to make it tonight, and Mike. But the um, interesting thing also is that you've just come back from Berlin and you obviously... I hate to say it, but you got your tail up at the moment. Not yeah. not least because you gave us a, a great game and, and, and came out on top, you know, very deservedly. Um, but also, you've just spent the weekend in Berlin. So it's going to be interesting to hear from an away fan's perspective as well. Yeah. So we might as well. I don't know if it is the elephant in the room, because I think um, we'll probably touch on this a bit more later because... Obviously, Herter have been in something of a downward spiral, but I think part of that was that our teams weren't playing very well, that they were struggling, that there was no fight. But I think like what we've got now is a little bit of fight. We just can't quite compete at the level yet, and we're trying to find our way. So you might want to comment on that, but uh, I'll maybe bring that bring that up again later but you can tell us a little bit about as an away fan what it was like at the Olympia Stadion at the weekend no definitely like I, I don't think there's any shame in the result uh, the other day because as you say there was great fight and even going into the last few minutes um, it looked like you might nick a point first 20 minutes I thought hey, we've got a game here um, so I think yeah the shock of of dropping down a level has obviously hit the club hard, um, but you can see the changes at Hearth are slowly happening. Um, as an away fan, the Olympia Stadium, it's it's mind blowing. Um, you know, you're obviously conscious of the history you're stepping on there, um, what that place means, uh, sort of to Germany and I suppose the rest of the world. Um, but when you get inside the bowl, inside the arena, after you've got past security, which was um, a bone of contention, is it three gates for 66,000 people? Yeah. <laughs> so there's always that, yeah, there's always that panic when you think there's at least 50 rows in front of me here and like <laughs> 10 minutes to kick off, but then somehow yeah. you always get through. And have time to get a beer, so like I don't know how they do it, but yeah. Yeah, no, I, it'll always amaze me. Um, but you know, you walk into into the arena, and we we're in the sort of lower west, so we had the the Olympic torch to our left in what's nominally the standing section, although it is seating. Yeah. It's basically accepted that that's where the away ultras will go. Um, and you could hear, you know, even across an athletics track, you could hear the Ost curve from the start of the game, the, the blue light in the blue pitch. Um, 
the you know when the players are read out and it goes dark for for, for a top spiel, it's definitely uh, an experience. Um, uh, and you know, I think the the unofficial figure is fifteen thousand uh, St. Pauli fans there. Um, That's amazing, really. Yeah, officially we sold ten to twelve um, in our allocation, but there were people buying next to the to the away block, and um, it, it did make for a, a fantastic atmosphere on the night. Um, and you know, we, we said we were looking forward to hearing how it transposed onto TV, watching back on German highlights because my ears were ringing after it. Yeah, it was a, it was a game like. So obviously I watched it on TV. I didn't have the uh, uh, opportunity to go this weekend, but the um, th- something about that game. I think the fa- both sets of fans were vocal or game. It seemed like there was a lot of energy there. I don't know if you caught the game, Mike. Yeah, I, that, Dave's answered the question I had for him was, you know, people often talk about the track and how does the atmosphere kind of go compared to your stadiums where you're right on top of the pitch, but you've answered that, you know, it was, you could hear the Oscar, but it, it did come across well on TV from both sets of fans. Um, I I felt the better team won. I think there was more quality there, and I've got a, a friend that I used to work with who's, who follows some Pauli, and he kind of said, I think in the summer, and you may, you may be able to back this up, but you've been able to kind of keep hold of some of the better players in the squad this summer, where in the past you've, you've maybe lost some of them and that's helped mould the team? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we, we lost Luca Dashner, who was our top scorer last year, and there were concerns. Even up to deadline day, we were stressing at, um, our sport chief, Andreas Borneman, to, to sign a striker, which he pulled Simon Zoller out the bag at the last minute. Um, and that first run of games where we had a few nil-nils, um, we really started to worry and then just seemed to have what Herzl is trying to do with the team um, the way he's setting them up to play kind of seems to have bedded in so we pull teams into traps um, and we're seeing players now like Eggestein who scored the first goal um, last year there were a lot of doubts about his quality whether he'd stay in the summer um, but he's growing in, into the position um, you know, we picked up Elias Sad out of the regional leagues, um, and he looks very comfortable inside the Bundesliga. So I think it was a good summer for us. As you say, there's a bit of a core there, um, and where we did lose players, we replaced well. Um, so I don't want to say because I said it two years ago and then stood at Schalke. Um, as they got promoted uh, after beating us 3-2. And I said all that year, it feels different. But again, it does feel slightly different. It, there's, there's a buzz and an energy around um, around the Millen Tour at the minute. And it, it's football, it can change any second. But um, I, I'm just enjoying winning because I'm not used to it. Um <laughs> It's a very big joke that my first game was 2007. Um, my first win was 2017. That was away in Nuremberg. And then my first home win was actually the Derby, where we won 2 uh, 0 
and I've been going all that time and I'd see one all draws, I'd see us lose, uh, boring nil nils on a cold Sunday in November. Um, yeah. So just enjoying the trips out where you, you're coming back with some points is quite nice at the minute. Yeah. I suppose the, the logical question might be, uh, and, and certainly of interest to a lot of our fans, what what compelled you to uh, become a follower of St. Pauli? My, my initial trip um, was with a friend from university. Uh, he was from Hamburg. Uh, we said, oh, you know, let's go go out for the weekend, go see your family, um, go for a few drinks on the Reaper Barn, as uh, you know, students like to do when they've just got uh, some money through <laughs> their loans. Yeah. Uh, and we got there and his dad chucked two tickets at us so uh, you guys go enjoy the game and so that was that was my first game and really enjoyed it and you know it wasn't like anything you've got over here but I, I think that applies across all of German football and all of European football um, it's a very different style of support um, it just so happened my first one was the Milan tour um, and then a few years later, there was a band called the Gaslight Anthem, who they played in Hamburg a few times. And the guitarist, Alex Rosamilia, started wearing St. Pauli merch on stage. And I remember the Totenkopf. I was like, oh, that's, uh, that was good, that experience I had. And just started going more and en- engaging with it. And, you know, we all know the we don't need to go into the the left wing thing, into the into the hipster thing we, it's a well-trodden path but once you start to engage with it it just kind of becomes yeah and I, I think that's what drives people over here is there aren't clubs if you are on the left to attach yourselves to yeah um, and then you you know you see people they start to develop uh, links so we went to Hertesvai against Babelsberg on Friday night as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and obviously how, I, how did I, you find, yeah, how did you find Babelsberg? Uh, it was nice. It was friendly. It, you know, it was different. Our fans and their fans have um, an affinity film, Staten Augusta St. Pauli. Um, you'll often see banners of each other at each other's games. Um, it, it was different. Um, Karma, I think, is is the the answer I'd give it. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, it was an away game. I'd I'd love to go back to the to the Carl Lee, um, but you know they, they're the sorts of things you, you start to find yourself doing as a result of it. And you know, I've got a mate who's moved out there and lives in Hamburg, and you know, tries to box them all off like standard Liège and Marseille. So yeah. Um, you can you can easily start spending all your money watching football. <laughs> that's that's the truth. Yeah, but you, yeah. It, it is a different culture that that's you know nailed it. There's not going to be anyone listening to this who has just stumbled across it. I wouldn't have thought, but that is what I think a lot of the people that have, have come from the UK to follow German football have found. And I always find even when results aren't going your way, you're cheering right till the end of the whistle. Then you yeah. voice your displeasure if you've lost or you know celebrate if you've won and it's I, I just love that backing right the way through it's full support where you know i the team i follow 
God, we only have to concede a chance or nearly concede a goal and it can turn, you know, yeah. and, and get quite hostile at times. So I, I've always loved that with the German game. And I think there's an element of in- engagement there because um, most fans tend to be members of the club. Mm. Um, and there's a lot to be said for 50 plus one and the benefits it has on the game in, in that participation. So I filled in the, the McGlider form, the, the membership form for St. Pauli, so I can go to if I wanted and could speak enough German. I'm not quite there yet, but could go to um, the AGM every year and, and, and cast my view as you guys, if you became members at Hearth, could. And I think you, you generally compelled to try to be positive for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, you get to the final whistle and if you've lost, they all come and stand in front of you like naughty schoolboys and, and get the telling <laughs> off from the fans. Yeah. Um, and it, it tends to sort of end there unless you're high spell and you go start putting graves on the training ground. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was interesting, as, as we say, that to watch as the, the Hertha players went over to the Ost curve, it seemed positive coming back. Mm. As we said before, there seems to be a bit of fight in them and that's recognised. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's a little bit of a... a I think realism's finally hit home for Hertha that we're not going to be bouncing straight back up. It's it's highly unlikely. We've we've had to sell to to make sure that the the books are are okay. And I I, I genuinely think Zweite Bundesliga is the most difficult league hmm. in the world to get out of because you're not coming down with massive parachute payments like you are in the Premiership to the Championship. As you say, you have to sell because the drop in revenue and income, you know, uh, uh, and it, it's no disrespect to clubs like um, Wiesbaden and Elversberg, but the the income on the gate of those guys coming to the Olympia Stadion, to um, the likes of Dortmund and although Schalke are with us, but the, the, the bigger clubs in Germany is massive. So clubs have to cut their cloth accordingly um and Heisvau, you know we, they've been trying for four years this is their fifth year down here yeah um and you just then look the other way how many clubs go up and drop straight back down and, Schalke just and they need to do a couple of years of yo-yo to consolidate yeah uh, before they establish themselves and you know talk about elephants in the room but only on a, a quite an, exce- an exception in the way that they've managed to consolidate quite quickly. Yeah. Um, well, it took them long enough to get there. That's what. I'd say. Well, it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I can't. I'm not go, getting into the game of mocking them. I can only. No. I know this is a controversial position amongst some Hertha fans, but I can only really sit back and admire what they've done at the moment because yeah, they. That's- that's what we've done throughout on the pods as well, haven't we? As as Hertha UK, it's it's incredible what they've been able to achieve. You know, each year it's been looked at. Well, now they've got European football, they're going to struggle this year, and then they go from the Conference to the Europa League, and then from the Europa League now to the Champions League. It's 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 been insane. Yeah. It really has. And, and you know, it's all swings and roundabouts, apart from Bayern 
winning the league every year. Uh, yeah. Any any team can come second to sixteenth in Bundesliga. Yeah. So, you know, th- these things are circular eventually, um, and you know, and it shows now that the the game is shifting and growing away from giants like Schalke, Heisfau, Hertha being mainstays. Yeah. Mm. It's quite exactly. a strong Zweiter Liga this year as well, when you think of the sides that are down there. Even yeah. if we factor in Hamburg being here for you know a good few years, Hamburg, Hanover, Nuremberg, Hertha, Schalke, you know, all teams that have been in the top division not all that long ago. Dusseldorf. Uh, Kaiserslautern and Dusseldorf, yeah. Kaiserslautern yeah. won the Bundesliga, you know, not all that long ago. It's it's a it, there's some big stadiums and big teams in the league. So when when Hamburg got relegated, did you did you uh, San Pauli fans think, oh brilliant, the derby's back on? Was that your first thought? Um, oh no, they're the, back. <laughs> there's a great video. I think we're away at Bielefeld, so we have a tradition. The last away game of the season, um, we call it Sonderzug, which for those who don't speak German, literally translate to special train. So we, we put a train on from Hamburg to wherever we're playing. And the whole of the away block was singing a pastiche on the, um, I think it was from the 70s or 80s. Keegan was at Heisman, they won the league. And someone wrote a song called Viva um, Deutsche Meister. Um, and then it goes, ha, 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 Heisvau. Um, and we translated it into laughing at them. So, wir, wir Deutsche Meister, ha, 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 And that, that's never gone away. The first derby where they beat us 4-0. Um, St. Pauli have a tradition that when a team comes to the Milan tour, um, about half an hour before kickoff, we'll welcome the team to the ground, uh, welcome the fans to the ground, and we'll play their anthem. So we weren't sure what was going to happen. And we said, wouldn't it be funny if they played that? (laughs) And sure enough, over the PA, this sort of glitzy late 70s, early 80s German disco tune comes on. And then they dropped it just for us all to sing in (laughs) unison. Oh, beautiful. I bet that. Um, And that must have been. Yeah, it it was fun. Uh, Some of that made way for some of the more macho stuff unfortunately with hanging dummies off bridges and um an element that's relatively new or or was more unseen and is starting to grow a bit um but mostly yeah it's like any german football game you go and for 90 minutes you'll Although it, as we say, it tends to be more positive, um, but you'll you'll scream blue murder for ninety minutes, and then after the game, you can go and have a beer. And once the police disperse and stop making things every, uh, stop making things worse than they are, you'll see high style fans. You know, you if you go to um, the the Volkspark Stadion, you walk through the forest. Mm. Um, they make you get off a mile from the ground, walk yeah. to it. And then you just walk past Heisvall fans anyway. And then after the game, yeah. he came out and there was like Pauli fans and Heisvall fans. 
stood having a beer, having a chat. Yeah. Um, because if you let adults be adults, they'll do adult things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I suppose you had from yeah. the uh, from the bus station. You've got to go through that tunnel. There was like a little tunnel to walk through to the stadium. I think it was an arena next to it. I remember thinking it was like it, I thought this is going to be quite hostile, but it wasn't. But again, that's just the, the German way. There will be some trouble, but yeah. I think in the main, as say adults treat them, treat each other, each other as adults. People will just get on. It's football. Everyone's there for a beer and a good time. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to make the comment. I think maybe the first two decades of me watching Hertha, which in, in, involves some relegations as well. But Hamburg were, never got relegated. No, that no, was the know, first one, wasn't it? Must have been waiting forever for, for them to come down. We were. They had a clock, didn't they? Wasn't there a clock that like counted yeah, how many minutes or something? But they always band. used to finish near the bottom as well. It wasn't like yeah. every now and again they'd finish near the bottom. It was like every single year. So. And I think it was Leverkusen they played on the last day. I might be wrong on that, but their fans then. With five minutes to go, unveiled a clock banner which flipped over oh. and down to the 90th minute. And I was just like, Brilliant, though. And that's, to, to be honest, that's one of my favourite things about German football is the inventiveness mm. of the fans. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we watched your guys unveil a banner in the Oscar the other day about. Uh, only on choosing to play in the Olympia Stadion, um, and you know it had the line, "Do you recognise your own face in the mirror?" And you know the, yeah. our our fans would not be that creative. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. I like, I like like even with the protests. I mean, we had one recently with the owners and. Yeah. Like people will speak out about stuff like that and they do it, like whether it's in that way to kind of make a statement or just the, the TFOs and the, the displays before the game. It's just like nowhere else. And like I've seen fans for Everton like ask for this online and go, now, why can't we do like what the German teams do? And people just like they don't want to buy into it. It's like, yeah, I think like this, well, you, you have the scenarios like Dave's just described where you're kind of. Being really creative, but you're like the actual the the art of the creativity is to sort of talk truth to power. I think like Mm -hmm. in in a UK context, we we want to go to the game and get somebody fired straight away, and like you know it's so aggressive. It's not like as well. Would you you see solidarity across fan bases in the UK? Um, So you know the, the ultras came up and. For a short time, had a, a banner, um, Gagan investing against investors. You know, support essentially supporting the Herta fans' cause, and you know that that tradition goes back such a long way in German football that you know what was our one um, when the police banned Rostock fans from the game, and we um, blockaded the Zudkerver, and then came out with banners saying even bastards deserve football and you know we all know the story of the the sort of punks and anarchists going and getting involved in the um riots in rostock in the early 90s and that's where the rivalry and the the, one of the few genuine hatred stems from 
Um, and even then, you know, we hate these guys, but they deserve to watch football because everyone deserves to watch football. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So you're, uh, so Hamburg, I associate Hamburg. Well, let's talk about San Pauli specifically. <laughs> the city of Hamburg where San Pauli resides. I know it very well for Astra beer. Is that what you all drink at games? Uh, that's what they unfortunately serve us. Um, I'm not a fan. I think it's like licking a 2P personally. <laughs> um, Flensburg, you can get over there, I think, as well. Yeah, if I when whenever I go to a kiosk, if Flensburg is on, Yaver at a push. Um, but yeah, As, Astra is, it used to be brewed right in the heart, and I think there still is a, a brewery there, but it's now owned by Carlsberg as you know, most beers yeah. are owned by someone bigger than yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's you see the symbol for Astra, the the heart with the anchor motif, and it's instantly recognisable. And instantly, you go. I mean, it's that recognisable. You've got uh, there's an Astra Stuber in Neukölln in in Berlin. And then yeah. at the end of the East Side Gallery, there's that um, Pirates Bar that has Astra. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you see it everywhere. Um, yeah, no, Hamburg, Hamburg's a cool city. It's if, if you were to ask me, honestly, I prefer Berlin. Um, I, I think Berlin has a lot more going on, but that's bound to be the case given the history of Berlin. Um, Astra... Uh, Astra Hamburg is very much, someone once described it to me as um, Germany's version of uh, Blackpool. In, uh, <laughs> it sounds a bit harsh to be. Enzo, but... um, and that's noticeable on the Reaper Barn. Yeah. Um, you can have a good night out down there. You can have a good night. And I have had good nights out in the past. Um, I'm getting a bit beyond good nights out these days yeah same <laughs> it takes two days to recover from a trip out so <laughs> yeah. I try to dial it back the, the, the city is changing it's it's got a lot younger um and a lot you know said the word hipster before it, it, there's definitely more hip thing particularly around the St. Pauli area um Stern Shanza which is the, the next sort of district um from St. Pauli is used to be very ropey, very rough, um, and is now full of late twenties, early thirties people sat outside cafes. Um, but that adds its own um, charm to the place, yeah. And it, it's interesting when when the team came over to um, Dunfermline earlier in the year. The guys from Glasgow St. Pauli organised a night and we had Uke Gertlich who's our chairman uh, or president came and um, spoke to everyone and did a question and answer and we talked about how every game is sold out it sell, you know home game sells out in five minutes these days wow um so are there any thoughts to upgrade the mill and tour um and within the actually we can't do it because we can't build any higher and um, there are certain restrictions he also said and what we have to be careful of 
is being aware that the club has massively participated to gentrification in the area. Yeah. Um, which is something I'd, I'd never considered. And, you know, as someone who's been traveling over, I played a part in that process, I guess. Um, because I have seen it change. Um, but the, the fact that clubs are aware, particularly where they are, based in a, a small district of the impact they have on, on the local area, it's quite, it's fascinating. Mm. Um, and, you know, as you were talking about Everton before, you, you're probably going to see the opposite happen in Everton now with them moving out mm-hmm. um, and down to Bramley Moor. Um, so it'd be interesting to see that impact in reverse almost. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the gentrification of Leicester, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> well, we, we, have, we have seen it with Berlin though as well, haven't we? Lesser yeah. of club involvement, but I think just in general from the 80s to where we are now, yeah. there's a lot of those areas, maybe more in Berlin with, with where it was based and certainly the old eastern parts. They then became kind of like these hip and trendy places for people to go to because rents initially were low and yeah. then costs start to creep up and, and people are pushed out. So it's unfortunately happening across the country. But yeah, certainly for a small sort of district to have a, a club there that's bringing in lots of um, followers from, from around the world that, that can have that impact. I suppose you've got those as well. The Reaper Barn's a popular place for, for tourism as well. Yeah, and that's where a lot of the, the pickup was in the early days. And you still see it now, like, we'll, we'll get a flight out to Hamburg and there'll be a stag do asking mm-hmm. you for tickets to the game. And sold out six weeks ago. I don't know, I don't know what you're asking. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the link to the Reaper Barn and the club is slowly distance itself a bit more it's, it's moved the other the other side of the of the ground a bit more but um the, the, the tourism is a big aspect there um and you know in the same way depending what weekend you turn up um high spell also have the same issue of tourists rock up and want to go to a game mm-hmm. Well, for Sam Pauli, with, with obviously the, the values and the, the political kind of aspects of it, is it not resented, but do the fans not want so many fans just coming over for a weekend and turning up because they may not share the same belief? Or It's, it's an interesting mix, the views, um, and it very much depends, one, what part of the ground you're in, to what mood the person you catch is in. So in terms of international fans, that they are certainly welcomed. You know, it's that thing, if you share the belief, share the values, of course, you're one of us. And I'm fortunate enough now that I don't pay for hotels. I've got enough friends who will give me sofas or spare rooms. And I, I'm, I know I'm lucky in that, but um, I, I go out and I, I'll talk to anyone. I'll bend anyone's ear after a few beers. So there are people who go out and it's we're seeing it more and more. You know, they're asking for no phones in the curve. So, um, you know, we try and advise people, stop trying to capture the experience that you're mm-hmm. getting to experience it. 
but that is mostly lent towards tourists yeah. who have maybe got their hands on a couple of tickets who've seen the videos of the ultras and the pyro and think that looks amazing and you know the the, the totenkopf is probably one of the most recognizable um logos in football um so they see the totenkopf and think that looks amazing i need to get all these videos and photos and it's like there's a big move to to put it away and i have seen groups of british lads go in acting up and be you know it's a self-policing curve um and they do self-police um and they have i have seen people taken off and that was a few years ago but they're moving back towards that because they want the zud curve at St. Pauli to be loud to be passionate to be the cheesy 12 man um, yeah it's because, important yeah it is and, and you know it, it makes a massive difference when um your atmosphere is loud um and particularly a ground like the Milan tour um where it is compact and you are on top of the players um that a loud curve can make a massive difference in a game and in in intimidating the opposition yeah i've i've got a few a few liverpool support and mates who kind of said over the last couple of years there's been more and more tourism and sort of day tripper or weekend fans coming in and that can impact what was you know one of the world's most hostile stadiums you know to, to impact that i suppose that might be where union's benefiting as well with such a yeah. small stadium majority of members you always know that you're going to be getting their diehards in there yeah, yeah. and and that's still uh, you know the, the as i say the challenge is we, we don't pass member sale on tickets anymore um if you haven't got a previous purchase history you can't get a ticket on the secondary market so they're pushing people towards becoming a member um because if you're willing to pay the 60 euros for the year um to be a member then yeah right um you're not just doing it for the sake of getting a ticket take a few photos for instagram um and then you know it, it, it's make it's it's becoming trickier to be an international fan for those reasons mm-hmm. um as you say the, the day trippers weekend trippers i suppose to an extent us on this call are that for mm-hmm. our clubs and though i will say when someone asks me who who i support my first answer is St. Pauli these days um I, i'm very conscious when i go um i am walking into somewhere that i'm borrowing for the weekend and yeah. i'm lucky as i say that i've got a lot of friends who will um who do look after me very well and refuse to let me buy them beer um it frustrates me every time it's like <laughs> you let me stay in your house and you won't let me buy a beer to say thank you um but i need some know, friends I, like this but you sit there and um it it because you know i do like to take a picture to capture but it'll be one or two pictures and i, I do amateur photography i take film cameras out with me but i've started leaving them behind um because i want to respect the rules of the curve because i 
I don't want to be the one that upsets the apple cart for everyone else. Yeah. And, you know, we, we do try and help people learn the rules before they go um, because we don't want them to have a bad time and have it soured. You know, you want those experiences to be special because to be able to afford to do it, it you've got to, you know, I, I consider myself fortunate that I can have these weekends away. Um, and there are a lot of people who would like to do it who can't do it. So I do everything to make sure people don't have a bad time. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really good. And also, Dave, while we've got you and uh, before we wrap up, historically, we always wrap up the podcast by uh, uh, predicting uh, the fortunes of Herta's next two games, which I'll get to in a minute. I think you'd be interested in them anyway. You'll have a good opinion on them. Oh. But, so, but uh, before we get to that, so we're Herta UK. There's a distinction between our fan club and your fan club in that you're Manchester St. Pauli. Yeah. And that's that's incredible, really, that you just one city could have a football, uh, a German football club fan club. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you look round, you've got, there's a London, oh, there's two in London now. Um, two London crews. There's Yorkshire, who sort of base themselves in and around Leeds and that sort of area. Glasgow, we touched on, who they naturally have the Celtic connection. And I guess there's a bit of the Celtic diaspora. Um, so I distinctly remember growing up in the Northwest, um, you would see Celtic shirts all over because um, there's a big Irish um, migration thing. People cling to that and become Celtic fans. So I think part of it comes down to the Celtic diaspora in that the, there's a fan friendship going back to the 90s. Um, it was a uh, St. Pauli fanzine that the Millantor Raw went out to a game at Celtic Park and um, they reciprocated an invite and it, it kind of grew from there. Um, so, I, And then, as, as we touched on before, the whole political thing will... Um, draw people from the left. So we're, and we see we've got the, the some friends who are the you know, UK fan group who a couple of those guys live around us in the northwest and come to watch games in the pub with us. Um, but more people will lean, I think, towards St. Pauli because of what it stands for, what's coded into its ethics. Yeah which then gives you the opportunity to be more smaller groups um, as opposed to one big group with a lot of people. But we all work together. Um, you know, we're talking about the guys I went out with this weekend were from uh, the Yorkshire group. Um, we met up with one of the Glasgow group while we're out there. Um, there's a few of us are all in touch with one another about various things that we're doing or trips that we're going out on do people want to go with them so it while we are nominally um smaller groups or, or localized groups there is definitely a, a uk um aspect to it in that we do get together work together party together <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. You couldn't have a Leicester Herter fan club. No, well, you could, but it involved me. Same for here, but I think that's what yeah. we're talking about it prior to, to the call. I remember seeing something years and years ago, one of these, like it's on Sky now, but whatever it would have been, then ESPN, um, Bundesliga specials, and he was talking about some power at the time. And I think they, they were the fourth biggest merchandise sellers for football in Germany behind. It was like Bayern, Schalke, maybe Dortmund and, and Hamburg, possibly. Um, and that like was surprising to me. And I, I remember them being in the top division, I think, once and then going straight back down. And I don't know if in my lifetime, for 42 years, they've been up previously. I don't know if that was the first time they, they've been up. But it, it's it's insane the following that they've got. And, and it it's great that a lot of it comes from that you know the beliefs and the things the club stands for yeah and it, you know i always remind people that that's only you know late 80s the late 80s early 90s what they called the keys quake so it's like the the district quake um translated where the the hamburg senate was trying to clear out the squats um and the, the anarchist and the punk movement was growing around that and the Millentor just became a handy meeting place because you could discuss things under the, the guise of watching a game of football which then moved into kicking, you know, there's um, one of the, the videos from the 90s, I think it's not Das Gantrestad, it's um, And I Know Why I Stand Here uh, is what the English translation is, um, where even in 1991, there were still imperial German flags and iron crosses and um, those sorts of things were still appearing at the Millentor. It's not been a left-wing club really for, for most of its history. It's the last 40 years, 30 years, 40 years that that's taken over. But once it took over, Music has a big part to play, as I said, you know, mm -hmm. the Gaslight Anthem were a big reminder for me, but Hamburg is one of the cities that most bands stop off at yeah. um, when they do European tours. And stages like Grosser Freiheit are not that far from the Millen tour. So you see the Skull and Crossbones bands pick up the Skull and Crossbones yeah, yeah. t-shirt. And there were, um, you know, one of my mates got into it through Richard Eldridge from Sisters of Mercy. Um, there are, there are, so you see these things, and you know, even Ed Sheeran has his own Pauli t-shirt. Oh, come um, on. <laughs> I, I always go on the wind-up whenever he's in one and go on about the time he put homeless spikes outside his five million pound mansion in london um and every time the club tweets about it i'm just like nope we do not do this we do not support him he's a terrible human being <laughs> oh, i mean i don't know that he is i don't know enough about him but i know he's a bit seeing that i don't know if he's a terrible human being no i, I think I, I, i'm being dramatic don't yeah, stop yeah. me please <laughs> I, yeah, I think I often, for, for me on the, on the politics side of it, I, I just, like you, you often hear football and politics should mix, but I sometimes think, why not? Because it can sometimes be the loudest voice if you've got a community and a following of a particular team that follows and shares the same views. It, it, it's power. 
you know, people bring that and, and the, yeah. the voice of, of that as well being so strong. I, I think fundamentally one thing that can unite is football. Um, and I'm sorry if football and politics didn't mix, we wouldn't have international football. No. Because that is just football by inter- international political divides. Um, so the people who don't want football and politics to mix just don't want uncomfortable truths about their own views projected on them is is my personal view um and no football and politics can mix if it's right or left um in in the same way there's a there's a lot of talk now it's i know where you stand um based on what that is and I, i don't want to disparage um every Hansa Rostock or Dresden fan as a as a neo-Nazi but the, what's the German proverb about if there are 12 people sitting at a table and one's a Nazi then there's 12 Nazis sat at a table um, yeah and I think if you can create a united working class voice that stands for good as we used to do um and do quite regularly in this country, uh, and football is the vehicle for that. Then more power to clubs, and you know all clubs used to have um, anti-fascist groups. You know United used to have, um, I think they, they were called like almost some daft like the Red Wedge or something, um, who had badges about trying to smash the the far right and the National Front, Liverpool. Um, FC for uh, all the club's faults, the fans at least will um, be political in in the stands. Celtic, you know, it's not my bag, but their fans are happy to to voice their political opinions. So the more clubs get behind that and accept that it can be a good thing and it can be a vehicle for change, then um, better. Yeah, I agree. Well, I teach politics, obviously, so I'm going to agree on this. But the um, the that that I, w- I would say, well, I'm going to sound like a like, like a doctor of politics, but like the uh, the um, reality is, where are those large mass gatherings most regularly yeah. involving communities from the same place? They're at football matches, you know. Yeah, These are the places where you can where you can talk about what's going on and, and, and demonstrate and, and make a point I think fascinating really cool. book um by a chap called alan mcdougall called the people's game about football in east germany and how it was used for political gain begrudgingly but the fans also used it to challenge the sa day um, yeah. and challenged it directly at bse uh, Dynamo um, directly challenged the Stasi because that was Milka's team. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it, yeah. More, more, more politics in the stands, please. Yeah. Which probably brings me on to my second to last question. It really, I, I um, so probably became aware of Sam Pauli soon after uh i really got fascinated by her to berlin 
and I, I just looked at Sam Pauli and I was thinking I could see sort of punk bands playing. They were doing things so differently. They had this like really fascinating fan community. I'm not saying Herta didn't, but it was kind of I was younger then. It seemed really rock and roll and really energetic and 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 something quite sort of punk or homemade about the home th- whole thing and. Uh, I was, I was thinking that was incredible and I thought like always fondly spoke of them as like Germany's cult club but now I hear another team being called a cult club and that's <laughs> onion and I just think <laughs> does that annoy you as much as it annoys me? <laughs> uh, to be honest I'd rather we weren't called a cult club um, because I don't think it's a cult um, and it does annoy it's it's one of the generic um, anytime a Mundial or a Copa 90 wants to do a, um, or, or we get a bit of um, coverage on, on TV, you know, you, you play bullshit bingo with it. So you wait for the Reaper Bar, Red Light District, um, Cult Club, yeah. Tonkopf, um, and you you sat there it i guess it was at one point and as you say it drew people as a second club um it, it's a football club now and it's it's a big football club um as we've discussed you know it's sixty thousand members um sellouts of thirty thousand every week which you know some teams in the premiership are killed for those sorts of numbers yeah, yeah. Um, it's the DIY aspects gone slightly because if it wants to be a successful football club unfortunately and the club have, have openly said this it has to balance um, the aspects of modern commercialization in football against the values and ethos of the clubs that's where we introduced the DIY um, we couldn't have DIY. They wanted the, the kit to be do it yourself, but it's do it, improve yourself. Um, there was some, there was a, a German uh, version of B&Q had a trademark on DIY. Oh, um, so, you know, and the, the, the tagline on that is, um, you know, it's not perfect, but it's better. So it's ethically sourced. So when the kit is, 70 euros you know it's not 70 euros and it's come from a sweatshop and had a night logo yeah. slap on it it's 70 euros but there's traceability going back so you've got they've got to balance trying to be a successful club against holding the values and ethos and they get it wrong um all the time um and as soon as they get it wrong as we said the fans will hold them to account so we had the infamous um, Susie Showgirls incident where we found out that there was a sponsor that was a strip club who had a strippers pole with strippers inside the ground. Um, and oh, Christ. oh, that was fact- you, was it? I read that. I thought that was <laughs> yeah, no, that was team in Hamburg. <laughs> yeah, no, that was us. Um, there was um, an, en- was it an energy drink? It might have been an energy drink or a pickup truck advert um which basically translated as not for pussies 
and we've got the biggest female membership in Germany. And we're just like, how can we um, hold these values but allow that sort of advertising? What What's going on? So yeah. they're the balances. And then, you know, the, the other challenges in there, we talk about the biggest female membership is now the fans have spent the last three, four years trying to get better representation for the um, Frauen team, the women's team. Um, and we saw that, you know, we got 17,500 watching them in the Milan tour uh, in the women's Pokal against Heisvau. And yeah, they got beat 7-1, I think it was in the end. But everyone came away from that saying that's a victory for the club. We don't, we yeah. don't care about the score. We, we've, we've achieved something in getting the women on the pitch the first time. So, yeah, well done. Yeah. Yeah, well, this has been absolutely fascinating, Dave. Yeah. Could, like, talk for another hour about kit prices and supply chains cause, <laughs> and also the morality of, like, who's sponsoring you. I think we... But we haven't got a leg to stand on at the minute. No, we, exactly. <laughs> we made an announcement like we won't be we won't be sponsored by a betting organisation. <laughs> and then two weeks later, first yeah. team kit sponsor. Big massive buzzer on the bloody yeah, yeah. well, we, we, yeah. But we did something similar where we dropped Tipico and then picked up another sponsor. Um, but then we've announced in the last week that we won't work with um, agencies at youth football level um, to stop, you know, youth players being exploited by agents. So yeah. um, the game is constantly evolving and uh, the, the cat and mouse of ethics and commerciality will go on. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's hope we're all on the right side of history eventually. You know? <laughs> so on a lighter note, or maybe not, uh, I believe our next game is on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Historically, we're in the podcast with a couple of predictions. So, Hertha are away at Schalke on Sunday. And then they um, are away again at Nuremberg. So, two away games. Two, game, two teams you're probably familiar with, Dave. Yeah. Schalke are a pit of despair at the minute. Um so there's the jinx. So there's the jinx. Oh yeah. Um, no, I, 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 if you play like you did against us and Schalke play like they did against us the week before, because that that was a big concern when we looked at the fixtures, backing up Schalke and Hertha, um, and you know I I'd said if we came out with two points after those two games, I'd be happy. So. Um, but at Schalke are just in pre-football. Um, there's something seriously rotten there. I think they have the quality to turn it round, but I think it won't be till after um, the winter pause. So I, I see probably 2 0, 2 1 winners. Ooh. Mike, what are you thinking? Mm. I think we can beat Schalke. I think we can get an away win there. Um, Nuremberg, not sure. It's been a while since we played them. Be a completely different team now. They've been down there a while. They've had a mixed start, similar to ourselves. I'll, I'd say take a draw there. It's a long trip as well, isn't it, for the fans, Nuremberg? Yeah, well, so, both are really. Yeah, yeah. It's a good. It's uh, it, you know we 
said earlier about the Olympia Stadion and history, um, Max Morlock Stadion is another ground that is is dripping in history from that era. You walk through the rally grounds to get to it. Um, when I went, I found it quite jarring to walk through and see fans sat where the rallies were held, drinking a beer as though it was casual. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a fascinating ground to go to. It's similar, I guess, to the Olympia Stadium in that it's got the track around it, um, but it's not as good a view, particularly mm. on the lower one. But you can make so much because it's lower. It sounds for an away fan so much louder. Um, yeah, whether we... that quite translates out onto the pitch the same, I'm not so sure, but. I remember Everton playing them in the in the UEFA Cup, and there was about ten thousand Evertonians there, and it was so loud on the TV. Um, so yeah, I th- everyone talked about the atmosphere. The people who I knew went over for that as well. That's um, was it Nuremberg, who was the infamous video a few years ago of the home stand literally rocking as they were jumping up and down. Oh yeah, you could see where some of the concrete joins. <laughs> Either the foundation below had gone or they were just jumping that hard that it was causing it to just bounce like that as they were jumping up and down. So get, get a ticket in the upper tier if we go next season, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't like heights, as you know. So, yeah. But no, it's, uh, I think, yeah, probably a draw in Nuremberg, win against Schalke. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to conclude. By I don't think we'll get a win in Schalke. <laughs> no voice of negativity, but I think we probably get four four points out of the two games, which I'm which I'd be happy with. Just because we're fighting a bit more, you know, that's mm. really good to see. And I don't think we've got the perfect squad. And I should. There was a lot of change yeah. though, wasn't it, Mark, with the yeah. squad? And I think that takes time to gel as yeah. well. It was, it, it's something actually Dave said earlier about how. Sam Pauli had managed to combine this, these high-quality players with players who were playing in the um, the Regionalia leagues. Like you know, that's that seems to be a really good thing about the uh, the the second tier, really. That that you get this combination of experience and this breeding ground for new talent, which I know is probably born out of needs must. Well, we need to get some people who aren't being paid top levels but also they're going out and finding these players and bringing them through so I think there's there's something in that I mean I, I didn't want us to get relegated for the reason that I just felt that if we did we would be down a long time now I've accepted our fate and we could well be down a long time but actually we've got a really interesting league that we're in and there's mm-hmm. you know the team feels like it's developing again yeah and when you look and, and when you look at what Sam Pauli did for example when when they've been relegated and then they progressively well Dave can correct me on this but they appear to have progressively improved again since they since leaving the Bundesliga but now could in my opinion be up there or thereabouts to use a cliche at the end of the season I mean- we we have a running joke since about 2015. Um, yeah, 2015 is when Leaning came in and saved us from relegation. 
15, 16, we started well, tailed off, started the next season badly, um, had a good, and it, it goes by year, not by season for us. So right. um, we ended last season really well after starting badly. We started this year badly. I just hope that Hertzler has the wherewithal to prevent us um, yeah, tailing off in 24 because if we can break that trend of good year, bad year, then we will be up there. Um, and as you say, we've done it steadily. We went through some pain with people like Yosla Hukai um, in 2017 mm-hmm. where it, you know, felt, uh, yeah. it felt poisoned, it felt... And what, what I always say about when I first started really going more and more, we had players like Fabi Ball, Jan Philip Kaller. Um, there was a connection between the district and uh, the club. And the players would be seen in and around the district. And it was all, everyone stumbled across one another. That disappeared. Kaller um, was the last of the players. Um, to go from that and he got an ignominious send-off in COVID um, rather than having a, a full house like he should have done. Um, now we've got someone like Jackson Irving from Australia who's come and he looked like he fit in in Shanza from the second he turned up with his long hair and his fashion yeah. the clothes. But the, the players are once again connecting with the area and even if it doesn't go as well as that, for me, that's the nicest thing that's happened over the last few years is, and I think, you know, we, we got rid of Timo Schultz, who'd been with the club for knocking on 30 years at that point. Um, and while, you know, he's just been sacked by Basel, um, his qualities of a manager, um, rather than a youth player developer, may be up for question at the minute. Um, what he did was restore that connection, in my view. Yeah, I think certainly, uh, and I know we're eking this out now, or getting paid overtime for this, but I think what, one thing about our, our relegation journey so far is it has sort of reconnected us with uh, like the community values, I think, of, of the club. There's a lot of people who have bought season tickets in solidarity, like so they're trying to get behind the team again which is good we're getting good attendance uh it seems to be like that on the ground and and in in the locality people are, are really willing the team again whereas i think everyone was just sick of this perennial mismanagement of the club i think it does feel like it's the start of something new but uh, yeah so Thank you very much, Dave. No, thank you for having me. Absolutely fascinating. And uh, good luck to your fan club and their fortunes. And anyone who likes what Dave said and wants to (laughs) convert, of course, you won't want to. But I think your your website sells interesting merchandise and there's a real uh, insight into um, Sam Pauli and uh, being a a fan in Manchester. So uh, perhaps you might see some Northwest Hertha fans at a Sam Pauli match on a TV somewhere in Manchester. Well, if it, if it, 
works out that we can show the game when it's it's the reversal at the Milan tour. You're all welcome up in Manchester to watch it with us. Yeah, that's we should definitely make a date of that. If uh, I know we were talking about going to Hamburg. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Was that for the HSV game or the ISV game? I don't know. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> All the nice the, we've got two options are. this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's a nice thing. So thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate that. Good luck for the rest of the season. I hope you keep yeah. flying high and uh, yeah. uh, finish above your city rivals. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers.